0: Section 5 of The Living Animals of the World, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Logan Lorenz. The Living Animals of the World, Volume 1. Mammals by Charles Lewis Cornish, Editor. The Speech of Monkeys. Something should be said of the alleged speech of monkeys, which Professor Gardner believed himself to have discovered. He rightly excluded mere sounds showing joy, desire, or sorrow from the faculty of speech, but claimed to have detected special words, one meaning food, another drink, another give-me-that, another meaning monkey, or an identification of a second animal or monkey. He used a phonograph to keep permanent record of the sounds, and made an expedition to the West African forests in the hope that he might induce the large anthropoid apes to answer the sounds which are so often uttered by their kind in our menageries. The enterprise ended, as might have been expected, in failure, nor was it in the least necessary to go and sit in a cage in an African forest in the hope of striking up an acquaintance with the native chimpanzees. The little capuchin monkeys, whose voices and sounds he had ample opportunity of observing here, give sufficient material for trying experiments in the meaning of monkey sounds. The writer believes that it is highly probable that the cleverer monkeys have a great many notes or sounds which the others do understand, if only because they make the same under similar circumstances, otherwise they would not utter them. They are like the sounds which an intelligent but nearly dumb person might make. Also, they have very sharp ears, and some of them can understand musical sounds, so far as to show a very marked attention to them. The following account of an experiment of this kind, when a violin was being played, is related in Life at the Zoo. The Capuchin monkeys, the species selected by Professor Gardner for his experiments in monkey language, showed the strangest and most amusing excitement. These pretty little creatures have very expressive and intelligent faces, and the play and mobility of their faces and voices, while listening to the music, were extraordinarily rapid. The three in the first cage at once rushed up into their box, and then all peeped out, chattering and excited. One by one, they came down and listened to the music with intense curiosity, shrieking and making faces at a crescendo, shaking the wires angrily at a discord, and putting their heads almost upside down in efforts at acute criticism at low and musical passages. Every change of note was marked by some alteration of expression in the faces of the excited little monkeys, and a series of discordant notes roused them to a passion of rage. At the same time, a big baboon, chained up near. Evidently disliked it. He walked off in the opposite direction to the farthest limits of his chain. The New World Monkeys Mention of the Capuchins takes us to the whole group of the New World Monkeys. Nearly all of these live in the tropical forests of Brazil, Guiana, Venezuela, and Mexico. They are all different from the Old World Monkeys, and many are far more beautiful. The most attractive of the hardier kinds are the capuchins, but there are many kinds of rare and delicate little monkeys more beautiful than any squirrel, which would make the most delightful pets in the world, if they were not so delicate. To try to describe the old-world monkeys in separate groups from end to end is rather a hopeless task, but the American monkeys are more manageable by the puzzled amateur. Most of them have a broad and marked division between the nostrils, which are not mere slits close together, but like the nostrils of men. They also have human-looking rounded heads. Their noses are of the cognitive order, instead of being snouts or snubs with narrow openings in them, and the whole face is in many ways human and intelligent. The howler monkeys which utter the most hideous sounds ever heard in the forest, and the spider monkeys are the largest. The latter have the most wonderfully developed limbs and tails for catching and climbing of any living animals. As highly specialized creatures are always interesting, visitors to any zoological garden will find it worthwhile to watch a spider monkey climbing, just as it is always worthwhile to watch a great snake on the move. The tail is used as a fifth hand. The Indians of Brazil say they catch fish with it, which is not true. But if you watch a spider monkey moving from tree to tree, his limbs and tails move like the five fingers of a starfish. Each of the extremities is as sensitive as a hand, far longer in proportion than any ordinary man's arm, and apparently able to work independently of joints. The monkey can do so many things at once that no juggler can equal it. It will hold fruit in one hand, pick more with one foot, place food to the mouth with another hand, and walk and swing from branch to branch with the other foot and tail, all simultaneously. These monkeys have no visible thumb, though dissection shows that they have a rudimentary one, but the limbs are so flexible that they can put one arm round behind their heads over onto the opposite shoulder and brush the fur on their upper arm. The end of the tail seems always feeling the air or surroundings, and has hairs, thin and long, at the end, which aid it in knowing when it is near a leaf or branch. It is almost like the tentacle of some sea zoophyte. Gentle creatures, all of them, are these spider monkeys. One of them, of the species called Waita, when kept in captivity, wore the fur off its forehead by rubbing its long-gowned arms continually over its brow whenever it was scolded. The spider monkeys differ only in the degree of spidery slenderness in their limbs. In disposition, they are always amiable, and habits, tree-climbers and fruit-eaters. The capuchins are, in the writer's opinion, the nicest of all monkeys. Many species are known, But all have the same round, merry faces, bright eyes, pretty fur, and long tails. There is always a fair number at the zoological gardens. They are merry but full of fads. One hates children and loves ladies. Another adores one or two other monkeys and screams at the rest. All are fond of insects as well as of fruit. A friend of the writer kept one in a large house in Luxishire. It was not very good-tempered, but most amusing, climbing up the blind cord first and catching and eating the flies on the window panes most dexterously, always avoiding the wasps. This monkey was taught to put out a lighted paper, a useful accomplishment, by dashing its hands onto the burning part, or, if the paper were twisted up, by taking the unlighted end and beating the burning part on the ground, and it was very fond of turning the leaves of any large book. This it did not only by vigorous use of both arms and hands, but by putting its head under too, and heaving the leaves over. In the private room behind the monkey house at the zoo, there are always a number of the rare and delicate monkeys from the new world which cannot stand the drafts of the outer house like the capuchins and spider monkeys. The greater number of these come from tropical America. There, in the mighty forests, so lofty that no man can climb the trees, so dense that there is a kind of upper story on the interlaced treetops, where nearly all of the birds and many mammals live without descending to earth, forests in which there is neither summer nor winter but only the changes from hour to hour of the equatorial day, the exquisite marmosets, whose fur looks like the plumage and whose twittering voices imitate the notes of birds, live and have their being. They are all much alike in shape, except that the lion marmoset's mane is like that of a little lion clad in floss silk, and they all have sharp little claws and feed on insects. The pinche marmoset, from the Guiana forests, has a face like a black Indian chief, with white plumes over his head and neck, like those worn by a brave in full war paint. Merchants who do business with Brazil very frequently import marmosets and the closely allied tamarins as presents for friends in England. The Brazilians themselves like to have them as pets also, so there is to some extent a trade demand for them. Among the most delicate of American monkeys are the okaris, which have somewhat human faces, exquisite soft fur, and are as gentle as most of these forest creatures. They seldom live long in captivity, a few months being as much as they will generally endure, even in Brazil. Perhaps the rarest of all is the white-haired, scarlet-faced okari. This monkey has long white hair from neck to tail, sandy whiskers, and a bright scarlet face. It lives in a district of partly flooded forest and is only obtained by the Indians using blowpipes and arrows dipped in very diluted arari poison. The white-headed Saki is a rare and very pretty little monkey of Brazil, and there are a very large number of other species of this group whose names it would be mere weariness to mention. All these small monkeys are very quick and intelligent, while the rapidity of their movements, their ever-changing expression and sharp, eager cries heighten the idea of cleverness given by their general appearance. Other little imps of these forests are the squirrel monkeys. In the common species, the face is like a little furry man's, its arms brilliant yellow, as if dipped in gambooch dye, the cheeks pink, and eyes black. In habits, it is a quick-tempered imperious little creature, carnivorous, and a great devourer of butterflies and beetles. The most beautiful and entertaining of all monkeys are these new world species. No person, clever at interpreting the ways of animals, would fail to consider them far more clever and sympathetic than the melancholy anthropoid apes while, for appearance, they have no equals. Probably the most attractive monkey in Europe is a South American one, now in the London Zoological Gardens. It was first mentioned to Europeans by Baron von Humboldt, who saw it in the cabin of an Indian on the Orinoco. These forest Indians of South America are gentle creatures themselves. Among other amiable qualities, they have a passion for keeping pets. One who worked for a friend of the writer, with others of his tribe, was asked what he would take in payment, which was given in kind. The others chose cloth, axes, etc. This Indian said that he did not care for any of these things. He said he wanted a pusa. No one knew what he meant. He signed that he wished to go to the house and would show them. Arrived there, he pointed to the cat. Pussy, to the Arawak Indian, was a pusa, and that was what he wanted as a month's wages. Humboldt's Indian had something better than a pusa. It was a monkey, as black as coal, with a round head, long thickly furred tail, and bright vivacious eyes. The explorer called it the Legothrix, which means hair-skinned monkey. The fur is not the least like a hare's, but much resembles that of an opossum. The more suitable name is the woolly monkey. The one kept at the gardens is a most friendly and vivacious creature, ready to embrace, play, and make friends with any well-dressed person. It dislikes people in working clothes which are dirty or soiled, a not uncommon aversion of clever animals. In spite of all the varieties of temperament in the monkey tribe, from the genial little capuchins to the morose old baboon, they nearly all have one thing in common, that is, the monkey brain. The same curious restlessness, levity, and want of concentration mark them all, except the large anthropoid apes. Some of these have, without doubt, power of reflection and concentration which the other monkeys do not possess. But in all the rest, though the capacity for understanding exists, The wish to please as a dog does, and the desire to remember and to retain what it has learned, seem almost entirely wanting. Egoism, which is a sign of human dementia, is a very leading characteristic of all monkeys. There is no doubt that the baboons might be trained to be useful animals, if they always served one master. Les Villains and many other travelers have noted this, but they are too clever and at the bottom, too ill-tempered, ever to be trustworthy, even regarded as watches, or to help in minor manual labor. Baboons would make an excellent substitute for dogs as used in Belgium for light draft, but no one could ever rely on their behaving themselves when their master's eye was elsewhere. Taken as a family, the monkeys are a feeble and by no means likable race, they are undeveloped as a class, full of promise, but with no performance. End of section 5